This is Roots and Shoots, gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Uh, Good morning, everyone, and uh, a very good morning to you, Sabrina Hahn. Well, good morning, Michelle. You're joining us from lovely Albany. I am. I am. I love coming down here. The gardens are seriously magnificent. It is a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and the studio down here in the Great Southern has an absolutely beautiful garden to look at. Oh, bonus. Yeah, so I'm surrounded by large bunches of flowers and camellias. It's just, it's glorious. Yeah. I'm going to say Albany, Albany, Albany because we had a, a, a guest on earlier and he was from the Eastern States and uh, he was talking about Albany. Albany, Albany. Yeah. And um, we had one uh, listener text in who said, I should have told him off and corrected him. <laughs> <laughs> but Michelle, you were probably being way too nice. Yeah, so I think we just get used to it, really, yeah, don't we? That's the Eastern right. Staters always call it Ex- Albany. Albany. It, yeah, they do. They do. It's like us calling Castlemaine rather than Castlemaine when we yeah. go over to Melbourne. Mm. Well, look, I, I had been warned that this was the mad hour, that it, it lights up like a Christmas tree <laughs> with people wanting to um, to ask you their gardening questions. But uh, before the news, um, you've got access to the text messages, haven't you, and you can see the pictures? Uh, no, I can't. Oh, okay. No, well, I don't have, but you can... I can you, describe? You, yeah, you you go into full, you could do, even do some interpretive dance with I will. It, Michelle. Look, this is going to be very creative because my um, botanic knowledge is limited <laughs> to... Probably cactus, cactus. Michelle, and, yeah. you are not alone with any of the presenters I have worked with over the past 20 years. <laughs> I don't think any of them have been really oh, into the botany. It's like they just set you up with us, hey? <laughs> <laughs> well, she sent in a photo. Oh, sorry, not she, he. Todd Crombie has sent in a photo and it's a rose bloom split right down the middle. One side's white, one side's burgundy. And he said that's not just one freakish um, flower. There seems to be a uh-huh. few other blooms. He wants to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, uh, depending on what the rose is, what happens is you get that pollination, uh, cross-pollination, particularly if he's got iceberg roses and burgundy iceberg, that can occur. Um, sometimes white roses get pink on them when they get a fungal disease. It starts off with little little dots but the other thing is some roses um you will get those two different blooms it's just part of the the strain of rose i suppose you get both parentage um habits coming out on the one rose so the deal is you get two roses for the price of one yeah just lucky i guess yep absolutely okay <laughs> i'm gonna i'm, I'm an, an absolute pea player on this panel but i'm going to attempt to throw to a caller and uh, it's lil in uh, joondalup and uh, lil has a pruning question yeah, oh, hi, um, girls, and sorry, it's actually from June Dana. Very June good Dana's. morning. Sorry, good apologies, morning, Lil. And Michelle, I love your sense of humour about the cactus. <laughs> That's very funny. OK, so I know you'll have heaps. Um, so I do have an Esperance tea tree at Grevillea, the small little um, apricot flower. Yeah. Now, the Grevillea is still flowering. Yep. So I want to know how hard can I prune it back? It's pretty old. Mm. Now, is it, Lil, oh. is it a ground cover or a shrub? No, oh, it's turned into a tree, right, a very okay. massive tree. Yeah. Okie dokie. Now, with the uh, Grevillea trees, depending what which one it is, what mm. what colour flowers it got? Uh, an apricot. Very small, dainty 
sort of flower. Okay, so it's probably Grevillea olivaceae. Now, if it's Grevillea olivaceae, you can prune that pretty hard. Okay. So you can right. hack off 50%. And if I took off one, there's about three main branches, Sabrina, mm-hmm. from the trunk. If yeah. I took one off because it spread quite a lot. Yeah, just cut it off right at the right at the the trunk. Okay, beautiful. That's one to my Esperance tea tree. I love glorious. them. <gasps> Aren't they the most beautiful shrub? Oh, the flowers, the leaves, it's stunning. Yeah. I've had it for about four years now. But yeah. Look, I know that it um, stopped flowering a little while ago, but I haven't actually pruned it. Yep. But I think it needs it. Yeah, definitely. So for people that don't know that bush, it's called Leptospermum <coughs> cerisium, and they do respond much, much better to a prune. You usually prune them at the beginning of summer. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't do it then, you can do it at the end of summer and you can wallop off 50% on the tea tree. Wow. Okay. And will that get a lot bushier, Sabrina, then? Yeah, definitely. They become a lot bushier. They flower a lot better. And in actual fact, Lil, the the tea tree, the Esperance tea tree, really benefits from trace elements. So if you can get a foliar trace element spray after you've pruned... Okay. And spray that on the leaf tissue. They respond really well. Beautiful. Thank you. And lucky last, yeah. I have some very old rhododendrons. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stems are, uh, look like they've seen better days, yeah. very old. Yeah. But some of the new growth, they're very small leaves. Yeah. And in the position of the sun, so with the sun coming over, um, I notice, obviously, some of the leaves go brown. How yeah. much sun can they handle? Well, in June, Dana, I wouldn't suggest a lot of sun. Right, <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah. No, you'd have to grow them in the shade. Yep. And mm. for feeding, because of those small new leaves, like they're tiny, so yeah, they so might you, be the they, length of my thumb. Yeah, so you really need to get nutrients into them. First of all, check the pH of the soil. Make sure that it's slightly acidic. Um, and then you're going to have to get a, a, a rock dust and mineral, get a mineralized fertilizer because uh, they respond really well to uh, minerals. So you really need to get that in plus some compost. Okay. Great. All right. That's wonderful. Thank, Thank you, Thank you Lil. very much. Thank Enjoy you. your day. And we've got Cynthia from Mandra. Cynthia, what's your question for Sabrina? Um, I just wanted to let everybody know today about our open garden. So, good morning, Sabrina. Good morning, Cynthia. So, we've got some lovely gardens for people to go and play in this weekend. Just just one, Sabrina. This one's at the Janoni Garden at 23 Muir Court in Banja. It's partly native, but it also has... Um, uh, a lovely lush lawn area with um, roses and camellias. But the thing that really strikes you when you walk down the driveway of this place, it has an enormous big pond and waterfall and huge, huge big um, paper barks. Oh. And I might be wrong, but I think paper barks might be a sign of good water. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of the paper barks only grow in swampy area where the water's you know, quite well there permanently. Um, They do have a tolerance for saline water, but if you, many of our West Australian eucalypt, um, 
melaleucas, if you see them in, in great numbers and they're a huge height, it means they've tapped into some beautiful underground water. Well, these ones are absolutely enormous, so they create a beautiful shady area for uh, ferns and shade-loving plants. Mm. Uh, great place to sit and have a cup of uh, tea or a glass of wine, Sabrina. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and they've also got a lovely um, veggie patch with raised um, beds, uh, fruit trees, there's chooks and beehives. Oh, wow. Yeah, and also... Um, is going to have his vintage cars on display. Oh. And I know when Darren had her um, garden open, there were so many blokes there I'd never yeah. seen. Yeah. So that will be something of interest for everyone. Oh, that Cynthia? sounds great. Sorry to interrupt you there. What's the address again? 23 Muir Court in Banja. Lovely. All right, now we've got Graham and uh, he's in Gwellup and he's got an interesting question for you, uh, oh. Sabrina. Hello, Graham. Uh, hello, Sabrina. Look, we're in an apartment and we've got two buildings very close to each other, so we only get sunlight virtually from about 11 to about 2 in the afternoon. Yeah. What on earth do you grow in that shady area, yet the heavy sun in the middle? Um, it's like an apartment, the back of an apartment. Yep. But uh, trying to work out what to plant. We tried a few veggies. Now, they seem to be very slow growing. I was getting yeah. through the lack of sunlight. Yeah. But what would you recommend there and sort of uh, how fertilising and watering type of thing? What would okay. Yes. So you've presumably got pots or... Long. Yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got pots if we need that, or it is in the ground. The ground's pretty rugged. We have to try and uh, fertilise that a bit because yeah. it's just the uh, waste of the builders. Uh, we've got a couple of myrtle trees there yeah. and a couple of jasmine uh, bushes there. Oh, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's uh, sort of filling all the rest with a bit of colour and so on, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, a plant called Brainia Ironstone, B-R-E-Y-N-I-A, Ironstone, yep. Will right. do very well there. I don't know if you. It's got lovely burgundy coloured leaves and it's sort of semi deciduous in winter. Um, right. It's a native from South Australia, tough as old boots. Good. Um, you could also grow Carex, C A R E X. There's quite Carex. a few there. That's like a little grass. Oh, okay. Right, yes. Uh, you could grow Pitosporum Miss Muffet. Heavens above, what's that one? Uh, just just ask for Miss Muffet. Miss it's Muffet, a dwarf okay. Pitosporum, um, yes. uh, as in Miss Muffet, who sat on the Tuffet. Tuffet, yes. Yep, yes. would work really well. Sabrina, are these real names? Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me that makes up those names, I can tell you right now, Michelle. Um, and for for something with a bit of height, mm-hmm. um, I'd I'd actually try. There's a there's a tea tree called Starry Night. It's Eleptospermum patisonii. Well, just just ask for a tree tea tree Starry called Night. Starry Night. Okay. It's got um, slightly burgundy new growth with white flowers. Oh, right. Okay. And that gets up to um, probably about two metres. Two metres. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, uh, and with the watering, what, you water about two or three times a week? Yeah, yeah. If they're only getting blasted with a few hours of sun, you'd only need to do it in a, in a pot three times a week. Three times a week. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and I tell you what, the other thing you could grow in terms of vegetables at this time of the year, silver beet would right. grow in that. Oh, right. 
Yeah. Okay, because I like the shade of it more. It's just that, yeah. of course, in the summer, you've got to get the, the heavy part of the heat. Yeah. But generally speaking, that little limited sunlight, well, yeah. the veggies, that they just uh, crawl along the city. Yeah, grow. that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go, Graham. Failing all of much. that, my Appreciate advice that. is just go okay. get some plastic plants. You're right, okay. <laughs> well done. Thanks, <laughs> Rita. Well, that's that. not the spirit oh. there, Michelle. That's giving up. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, contribute <laughs> with my knowledge. Uh, we've still got a lot of people on the on the line, but I thought maybe if we get to one of the text messages, mm. I know you can't see them, so I'll avoid the picture ones. But uh, Dagmar from Ardros has um, asked if she can propagate a plant called a yesterday, today and a tomorrow plant. Oh, yeah, Brunsfelsia. Um, so the reason they call it yesterday, today and tomorrow, Michelle, is that when the flower first opens up, it's quite a deep blue and then it goes to a pale mauve and then it turns white on the third day. Oh. Hence the yesterday, today and tomorrow because it changes colour. Now, the Brunsfelsia is usually the old Brunsfelsia, the old yesterday, today and tomorrow, will sucker. So you won't need to propagate it. It propagates itself. So you can grow those from a root cutting. The more modern hybrid ones you can grow from a cutting so from now right through to the end of March you can grow them from a tip cutting so that's the new growth at the end of the bush Um, and you wouldn't be able to take it more than about six to ten centimetres long. Now just a word of warning with Brunsfelsia they are the fruit They flower and then they develop a little droop like a little black fruit. It is highly poisonous to dogs. And every year, um, because I get pictures sent from vets saying, what is this plant? So every year, quite a few dogs are killed or oh, die. That, so that's something definitely to look out for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another text message here. It's Jack wanting to know about his mango tree. It's four years old. It's full of flowers at the moment. Apparently it did the same last year. Yep. However, last year he only got four small mangoes off it, which shriveled up and fell off. Yep. <laughs> It's just fruit trees do that, don't they? They just go, oh, I'm just going to do a little tease here and a flower and you're going to think that you'll get lots of fruit but in actual fact, I'm just going to drop them all anyway. Yeah, it's just playing a nasty trick on you. It is. So the mango tree is only four years old and what happens with lots of fruit trees is you will get you know, masses of flowers. There's no way that the plant has enough energy to actually produce fruit on all those flowers. So you'll only get about a 10% hit with fruit developing anyway. Um, Sometimes the fruit can fall off because of climatic conditions. Quite often it can be that there's not enough minerals in the soil. So if you have fruit trees at this time of the year, you need to make sure that they've got all the the minor trace elements that they need to actually hold onto that fruit. So things like potassium, manganese, magnesium, all those sorts of things. So use the mineral-based fertiliser when you're putting them in the ground. But during spring and summer, you actually also need to give them trace elements. So you need to do that foliar feeding and that will help them hang on to the fruit after flowering. Very good advice. Now, the last time I spoke to you, Sabrina, I was telling you about how I have three glorious, huge, giant mango trees in my backyard. Yeah. They, they needed some um, fertilising. Yeah. Which I went and, you know, followed your advice. Yeah. Um, sprinkled it all around the base, thought I'd follow the instructions. I killed it on my lawn. Really? Was I just a bit too heavy-handed or...? 
<laughs> Fruit well, tree's lawn, great. Lawn's gone. <laughs> actually, that's really extraordinary because lawn will suck up just about. I I don't I can't imagine yeah. that the fertilizer would kill your lawn. Yeah, well, that's my. I husband think you may me. have been. Yeah. yeah, I think you may have been just a little bit over enthusiastic, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, um, I was making up for the ten other years where it hadn't been fertilized. <laughs> <laughs> Little and often, Michelle. Yes, Little and yes. often. I think what you need to do is you need to stick to, to perhaps the uh, the liquid forms of fertilising your lawn. Yes. And in fact, everyone should be doing that this time of the year because all our lawns are finally coming out of dormancy because we're getting warm weather at last. Kind of been a really weird spring, hasn't it? It has, yeah. So a- things will start to kick off and that's when you get you know, you can get all those. There's there's so much stuff out there now that you can that you can put on, and uh, you can get a great uh, foliar feed for your lawn at this time of the year, and that really kickstarts them into, you know, getting that healthy growth that you need to maintain over summer. Start raising your lawnmower blades up a bit. You don't want to do the really hard cut now that we're coming into summer. Great advice. Now on. Um, the phone from Albany. We've got Max. Max, um, what's your question for Sabrina? Oh, good morning, Sabrina. Morning, Max. Um, I've got a bottle brush I'd like to relocate. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how old is it? it? Oh, it's at least 15 years that I know of. Right. Well, what I would suggest is you go and buy yourself another bottle brush or you take a cutting off the one you've got is it, do you want to move it for sentimental reasons? No, I want to move it because it's in the veggie patch. And it's, oh, okay. That's yeah. that's a that's a that's a good enough reason to move it. Having a <laughs> bottle brush in the bed, it'll be sucking up every single bit of goodness and just growing like a trooper. It is now. now it is. Unfortunately, calistamins are really difficult to transplant once they've been in the ground for that long. Oh, okay. So I don't like your chances. Yep. Right, um, so you're better off. I mean, you give it a shot. It's a, it's a bad time of the year to transplant as well. Is it? What's the best time? Well, you're better off doing it in winter when it's a bit oh, cooler. Okay. The yeah. other thing is you'd have to prune the hell out of it, Max. So yep. you may actually destroy the shape of it. Yep, yep. Mm. All right. Sorry. But if you want to give it a crack, Max, take off at least... 50%. Make sure you wet the hole really well before you dig it up. Make sure it goes into a hole that's really moist, you know, nice and wet with a bit of good tucker in there, a bit of compost, um, tiny little bit of clay. Mix all that in and then you're going to have to water it every day to keep that root ball wet. Um, and if you see it starting to, to dry out and go brown, go brown it's buggered yeah another um, listener has sent a text message in about transplanting plants two lily pillies they did it about a week ago they're about 1.6 meters tall and she says that they're looking pretty sick wants yeah. to know if it's likely they'll survive ah uh, well 50 50 you got a 50 50 chance with lily pillies <laughs> you have to prune them really hard lily pillies when you transplant them they're pretty robust though a lot more so than um calistamin. so don't give up on it yet uh, keep the water up and you should, if you don't start to see new growth within six weeks, it's had it. Yeah. Kaput. Okay. Now, we have got Kim on the line from Busseton. How are you going, Kim? Hi. Hi, Michelle. I'm doing well. Thank you. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Kim. I've got some, I've had some success 
with dealing with my slaters. In my oh, good girl. Cake. I'm going to share it with you. Yeah. Two years, two years of doing it, and I'm feeling quite pleased with myself. So the suggestion you always, you always give, and so does Steve and Darren and even Jackie French, is yeah. to use the, the half orange peels. Yeah. I don't like orange juice, so right. I can never do that. <laughs> Fair but enough. I, I have found that a scooped out avocado skin is delicious to slaters. Oh. And because they don't break down, they last for a couple of days in your garden, actually a whole week. You can just keep keep on going out there and there'll still be slaters oh. in it for days and days. And also a banana skin. It, it must be the smell of the banana skin because they really come to it. But I wet the banana peel before I put it out there so that it's not going to go back too quickly. Yeah. And, and the next morning, just it's like a city. That is awesome, Kim. And I scoop them up with a teaspoon and put yeah. them into a jam jar and yeah. any and any slugs that are in there as well. Yeah. And I poach them in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> That's a lovely and, way of putting yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, and and then they go into my compost. In, if you've got if you've got slugs in the jar, you really need to shake it every now and then because the slugs will just go to the top. So yeah. you've got to shake it and turn it over. But it's I found that a, a couple of you know, maybe a week or so of doing that, and the slater population starts to drop, and my strawberries start to you know get ahead of the of the population. I just keep doing it. It's a bit of a stretch for your back, but it's worth it. Kim, you are an absolute legend. That is fantastic, and I guess I I guess with um. I, th- I know with the banana peel, there's all sorts of goodies in the banana peel, but yeah, I've never, I've never thought of the avocado skins. Of course, because well, they're give, quite you, they're, they're tough. But you also you can't give the avocado skins to your chooks. So you yeah, might that's as well right. Use yeah. the summer. They're not much good in the compost. They don't yeah. really, they don't break, really break down. Break that down. Well. And they, uh, but they work perfectly underneath the strawberry plants. A slater catcher. That is slater awesome. Catcher. Fantastic, Kim. Thank you so much for sharing your slater knowledge. My pleasure. Right, so Colin, are you there? Colin's calling from Bridgetown. Yes, I am. Hello, Colin. What's your question for Sabrina? Oh, no, um, I've actually just bought a house in Mandurah that's got a, a rangy noka tree, and I'm wondering how much I can um, get into that to make it a bit more sensible size and shape. Oh, you can go hard, Colin. You can go hard. You yeah, beauty. I've got the chainsaw, right? Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Now, noka trees, you can absolutely punish. Oh, well, that's okay. We'll make mm. it into a nice little ball of a tree and um, shape it up nicely yep, then. Yeah, that's it. And it will appreciate it and you'll get much better quality locut fruit the next year. Fantastic. Thanks, Brenna. Okay, go hard, Colin. Go hard. <laughs> <laughs> What's that saying, Sabrina? Go hard or go home? That's it. That's yeah, it. The fellows love that. Tough because locust. 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 Lo- locust well, locust, lo- locust, lo- locust are pretty <laughs> tough too. I reckon there'd be many a gardener like to take to them with a chainsaw, but the little suckers are too hard to catch. <laughs> now, it's 29, uh, 28 minutes past nine. If um, you want to give us a call, if you've got a question for Sabrina, it's 1300 or send us a text message message 0437 922 um, Maybe take another one off the, um, off, off the screen here. Hmm. Um, we were talking about, oh, actually we talked about lily pillies. Someone wants to know what sort of hedge you would suggest that's not a lily pilly. 
Oh, okay. Um, they haven't said where they live. Oh, you do know what they have, but I've just lost it. Oh, no, that's all right. Quick pad um, while she looks for it, Sabrina. Pad. Okay. So um, I love Dodonias. I think they make an absolutely beautiful screen. There's so many exquisite Melaleucas, and if you prune their heads off, they make a really good screen. Um, so do the tea trees. If you want something a bit softer with burgundy foliage, you can use Photinia. Uh, there's some beautiful photinias and they make an absolutely fabulous hedge. I found, also... the, I found the oh. message, Sabrina, yes. and they haven't said where they're from. It's Alistair sent this one in. Okay. And um, they, what they're after is something that will produce something that's edible. Oh, they want an edible hedging yes. screen. Yep. Okay, so elderberry makes a really great screen. That You've got to be careful with elderberries because sometimes they sucker. Uh, and can get out of control, but the the f- you use the fruit. Well, you can make wine out of it. But uh, elderflower cordial is absolutely beautiful, as is elderberry wine, Michelle. Yeah. So that's a really good one. You get fruit from that. If they are interested in in edible hedging, um, they need to go to the Tucker Bush website. And on that Tuckerbush website, there's all sorts of fabulous Australian plants that are great for screening that are edible. So you you'd get to have a pick of different ones, and then on the on the website they've got where those plants are available from. Oh, that sounds awesome! Tuckerbush mm. website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, hello. We've got Jessie on the line from Mandra. Jessie, have you got uh, a question for Sabrina about your gardenias? Hello. Hello, Jesse. No, I might try someone else then. Let's see if we can find Frank. Frank, are you there? I sure am. Hello, Frank. Hello. Hello, Sabrina. What can we do for you today? I just got two quickies. What happens if you plant a tomato? Does that will that grow into a tomato bush? Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have to cut it up or anything? Um, you're better off uh, what happens is with tomato seeds, they have some of them have a, a a coating on where it delays germination. So you're better off cutting your tomato up, putting the seed or the pulp in a bit of water in a jar, shaking it so that the seeds separate from the pulp, lay it out on a um, paper towel so it dries, and then you can just plant that paper towel with the seed in it in the ground. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Second question is. I went out yesterday and I had my grapevine three days old. It was beautiful, little grapes shooting on it. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was all dead. Oh. And I'm just wondering if there's some bug going around or anything. Cause I've well, got it's unusual couple... for it to die overnight. No, oh, no, no. Over the last two or three days. I watered it about oh, three days ago. It was okay. fine. It was beautiful. Okay, so there are, there are weevils and beetles that are on the... On the run at the moment, on the merge. Didn't also, slaters can ring bark them. No slaters there, nothing. Okay. No, I couldn't find it. I pulled it out, but right. uh, you know, couldn't find anything that was wrong. It just all shriveled up. Yeah. Um, the only other thing it can be is uh, a bacterial disease in the root system mm-hmm. um, or a fungal disease, and that's knocked it off. Definitely knocked it off. Now yeah. I've really knocked it's it off. It's probably fungal, I would say, something that's in the root system or just above at the yeah. base of the trunk. Okay, Sabrina, I've got I've got three other ones and I'm hoping it doesn't um, affect them. Yeah, spread through. Yeah. Yep. 
on. Yep. Yeah, just keep an eye on them. Don't overwater grapevines either, Frank. Oh, that's probably the problem. Last year I didn't water them. I had eight grapes. This year yep. I have been bit mollycoddling them, you know? Yeah, well, don't give them too much water because you'll they'll, they'll, they'll rot. They'll rot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, then. Thank you, Okay, Sabrina. wonderful. All right. Bev is in Wembley Downs. Bev, have you got a question for Sabrina? Yes, I have. Good morning to you both. Good morning, morning Bev. Uh, mine is about my Grevillea coconut ice. I've got yeah. a few of them. Yeah. And none of them look terribly healthy. They're, they are on a slope. Yeah. But the the leaves are a very dull green and a lot of them go that yellow rusty yeah. colour. Yeah. Um, I've used sea salt and shellate, but yep. I'm, I'm just—I've never used trace elements. I don't know what they yep. actually do, but I was wondering whether <laughs> I should use them. Okay, so coconut ice is a hybrid grevillea, and it comes from the eastern states, where the soil type is actually very different to ours. Uh-huh. So your your grevillea is suffering from a trace element deficiency. So you'll find that it can't, the pH will be high, therefore the plant can't access iron, manganese, magnesium, all sorts of those trace elements mm. that you need. Now, So what you need to do is you need to attack it from the point of view of improving the soil first before you do anything else. So go and get yourself a bag of compost and just scratch that in around the, the coconut ice. Yes. Get a wetting agent and make sure that's all moist. Once the ground is moist, then you need to put on the trace elements. So and is you can that get sprayed a or into yeah, the you can get you, well. You're better off with foliar. Good. So you get a liquid trace element, a foliar spray. It's you can get a click on one. Just clicks onto your hose. Yes. You need to do that every fortnight mm-hmm. until you start to see the leaves go green and then you can ease off and then you should only need to do it like four times a year. The other thing you need to do is the soil. You need to get you need to get those microbes in the soil. So the microscopic fungi and bacteria attaches itself to the root system of the grevillea Mm. and then those elements in the fertilizer are available to the plant. So you've got a two-pronged attack from the mm. ground and on the foliage. Okay, it sounds like I've got a bit of work to do. Yeah, but it's it's splendid and then you get to see, like it will bloom like a demon, Bev. Yes. You'll be so excited. Yes, they are beautiful. Yeah, they're a gorgeous grevillea, but they do suffer in our West Australian yes. soils. Yeah. Yes. Well, Bev, All sounds right. like you're going to be busy. You better get cracking. A lot of work to do there with <laughs> Thank your grevilleas. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, Rob, good morning. Yeah, good morning. What would you like to ask uh, Sabrina about your olive tree? Yeah, Sabrina, I wanted to know what sort of a shrubs you grow underneath olive trees. Uh, I wouldn't grow shrubs. Well, if you are going to grow shrubs, you'd only want them quite small, so no more than no higher than thirty centimeters or ground covers, yes, Rob. Yes. Yep. So um, most of the herbs. You can grow under olive trees. Herbs, yeah. Yep, so herbs work, uh, particularly the Mediterranean ones. If you mm-hmm. want to grow shrubs, you've got things like the uh, rock rose, cissus. What is that again? A rock rose, cissus. C I S S. Cistus, sorry. C I S T U S. Cistus. U U S, yep. Yep. Um, any of the. Uh, Scavolas, S-C-A-E-V-O-L-A, 
scabolas mm-hmm. will work very, very well. Um, you can also have a, a lot of the smaller um, native plants will do really well. Uh, so if you choose the little tackers, they'll do quite well. Um, many of the little tiny leptospermums will do quite well. Leptospermums, yeah. Uh, verticordias, the smaller verticordias. Is that enough it, for you, Rob? Yes, I think so, yep. Awesome. Yeah, um, uh, yeah why won't the shrubs grow underneath there? Timmy Roots, is it, or...? Uh, the root system, but also olives uh, can secrete a growth suppressant for other plants around them. Ah, uh, right. That's okay. why you usually only see olives in olives. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You've got a, my daughter's got a row of olive trees in the backyard. Yeah. There's about four or five of them, I suppose, if you want to put something underneath them. I, I would, my, I reckon your, the pick would be cistus. Cistus. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they don't mind, um... They don't. They, they grow quite well under an yeah. olive tree. Will all the um, nurseries have them in? Yes, absolutely, because okay. they're all flowering now. Oh, okay, radio. Hmm. And they reckon you'll do pretty good. Yep. In the, yep. In the ground. Now get the get the dwarf ones because some of them get up to two meters oh, high. Oh, okay, the dwarf. So yep. the dwarf ones, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No so worries. go to your local nursery, and they'll have a they'll have a couple you can choose from. Okay. All right. Thanks, Sabrina. Okay. No worries, Rob. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Rob. Bye. Now we've got Jessie back. We tried to speak ah, to Jessie earlier. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. That's oh, well, okay. welcome You're back, back now. now. All right. Well, I've had uh, three uh, gardenias in my um, garden. They're up in a wall. Yeah. And they've been there for five years. No problem. Now what's happened now, out of the blue, all the leaves are dying and hardly any growth coming back. Ooh, something is going on. So you've had them in the same spot for five years? Yeah, they've never moved and I've had them beautifully flowering, everything. Yeah. And and also I've put in another section of the garden at the front, same area, um, another type of plant similar to it. Mm. And they're the only little ones and they kept dying every couple of days, black wood, black, black, black. Ooh, I tell you what, Jessie. I reckon there's something going on in the soil. What suburb are you in? Mandurup. I went to the garden centre and they told me to spray the manuk tree. Is there something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that. I've done that twice. But it's not... So I've just got in new mulch that got delivered. Mm. Um, um, I've got new mulch put in and I've covered that. And since then, it had never come up. Okay, now what I suggest that you do is you cut the roots off some of those gardenias and you need to get it tested for dieback. Oh my God. For phytophthora. Um, so there's, there's, no, there's no point in doing a soil test. You're much, much okay. better off getting the root because they will. Dig. Dig underneath? Yeah, dig underneath and cut some root off. Okay. Go on to the Dieback Working Group website. Yep. And that will give you all the information of what to do, where to take it, that sort of stuff. I would definitely start looking to see if there is some... It might be pythium. I mean, there's all sorts of um, uh, fungus that, that are in the soil. But that sounds very suspicious. Well, the thing is, they asked me if I got any ants around the place, and I said, yes, there's quite a few ants everywhere. Yeah, but that's not going to cause... I mean, you you would see them... No, no. I reckon reckon there's something a little bit 
nasty going on in the soil. So just Jessie. dig the roots out the bit? Dig Shop the roots. Back. Yeah, but you need to take the root to get the root tested for Phytophthora. So, and Sabrina, would that have come from the mulch? Yes, it could yeah. well have come yeah. from the mulch. Oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. So the so the oh. fastest way of testing for Phytophthora is they they look at the root system because the Phytophthora lives in the root of the plant. Sounds like when I got the um, compost. Yeah. Oh. Well, so so what you need to do, Jesse, is not just your gardenias. So yep. you take take the root system and those fine feeder roots are the best ones yep. um, of any of the plants that have gone downhill. Yeah, because you need to know that before you do anything else. So the the number one thing you do is first of all you have to rule out Phytophthora, and yeah. then you start investigating from that point. And where do I take it to be tested? So that's why I'm saying go to well, um, there's lots of soil testing places okay. that um, do um, tests for that. Yeah. Um, so go go on to the dieback working group website. Okay. And they'll give you the contact details of where to take the root system. Thanks very much. For okay, Jessie. Good luck, Jessie. I've got um Sylvia online uh, now who uh, is from Melville. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, hi, girls. How are Hello, you going? Hello, Sylvia. Good. <laughs> I was listening to half listening to the radio. Um, I'm interested in knowing what I can do with my golden cane. It is under shade, it's under a pergola, it is absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. and getting too big for the area or much yep. too big. It would yep. make a perfect specimen somewhere, you know. Yeah. But um Well dig it up. But can I do you know I can no, I want to retain a half of it the half the height because it's up to about Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they get really foot. tall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They get really tall. Yeah. Well, if I take out the centre, I've got the centre column, mm-hmm. which was main one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's it's quite large, but it's got all these little babies coming out around it. Yeah, of course, yeah. So um, if I dig it up, can yeah. I dig some of the babies up and cut out the centre the centre column? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, can I? Yeah, Oh, now you, you need go. to do Easy it pretty. That. You need to do it pretty swiftly, Sylvia, because yes. it's going to start getting too hot yes, to do yes. that soon. But um, oh, that that is fantastic. That's hmm. good. Well, I can get to it with the axe, not with the axe, but with the saw. <laughs> well, I, I do something smaller, like a tomahawk. That's one of my favourite tools. My favourite tools and in the garden are a tomahawk and a high pressure hose. Oh, Love them. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Uh, perhaps I'll try one of those. No, no, no. All jokes aside, I will um, try and uh, retrieve some of these babies. Yeah. Because they are really lovely. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's great. So I'll All right. whip the centre one out yep. and um, toss it in the bin. That's it. Lovely. Thank you so, okay, so much. Okay, Sylvia. No okay, worries. Bye. Oh, Sabrina, I've got a couple of um, queries that have come through on the text message. Yeah. Now, this might be one that you hear quite often, mm. um, but I'm really intrigued. Is it a here. lemon tree question? No, I oh, know that's pretty God. much standard. Is 
<laughs> Isn't that sort of like the law? You have to, and you yeah, can't, yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you, you just, uh, what I do is I, when I do gigs, I say to people, if you ask me a bloody lemon tree question, <laughs> it's going to cost you $20, but you get to take home my dirty little book of citrus so you can read it yourself. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, um, Tony from Mount and Nazura, I think I've pronounced yeah, that right. Yeah, Mount Nazura. Nazura, yep. sorry. Yep. My that's right. Mount Nazura people. Um, possums, how do I stop possums eating my fruit and veggies? Uh-huh. Can you? Uh, <laughs> look, they have those, they have those, um, they emit a really high signal that you can put on your, your fence line. Oh, like the rat things that yeah, keep the rats yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, apparently they're successful. There are some, some products that you get that you spray on your fruit and veggies and that's probably useful for about a fortnight. Um, you can, the, the trouble with possums is they can hop quite a long way. Yeah. So uh, they go from tree to tree. Uh, some people actually feed them a selection of fruit, but <laughs> fill them up on that so that they leave their trees alone. Um, I don't know of anything that's successful in the long term, but apparently those, the things that are, emit the, the, the sonar high pitch, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the yeah. sonar. Now, sonar De- my or lovely, a fruit buffet. Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> lovely friend Darren Thorpe said that some gardeners have had success with putting dog hair oh. in, uh, like in stockings and hanging balls of dog hair in the fruit tree because, of course, dogs will hunt possums. Yeah. Um, so perhaps try that. Um, You'd want to be keen, wouldn't you? Well, I just, I love possums so much. Yeah. I mean, I've got rats. I'd far prefer bloody possums Same. eating my fruit than rats. I think I'd be unbearable with excitement if I had a possum I in my know. backyard. I know. Yeah. They're so cute. But if they're stealing all your goodies, I suppose they'd wear thin You know what you should they? do is put in some agonis trees, some um, WA peppermint trees, because they love those. Oh, really? Yeah, and they breed in the peppermint trees. Oh, lovely. So um, whack in a few agonis, you know, so to encourage them to go to a different place. They can move house then. Yeah, yeah that's right. Now, someone else, has, oh, Suzette, wants to know um, about her curry leaf tree. It yeah. Apparently it's lost all its leaves except oh. for some new shoots and some buds at the top of each branch and she wants to know well, that's if she can restore sign. it. <laughs> okay, not a good sign. Um, so the curry leaf tree needs quite a bit of water in summer. It may not be getting enough water. Give it a really hard prune, put on a, a wetting agent, get a liquid wetting agent onto it, water it really well, give it some slow release fertiliser and it should it should come back. They're pretty tough. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see um, if we've got uh, another query that you can solve for us on the line. We've got Colleen. She's calling us from Carrara. Uh, no, sorry, from Exmouth. Ah, lovely Exmouth. Yes. Good morning, ladies. How morning, are you? Colleen. Good morning, Colleen. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, what is it? Uh, tomatoes. What's happened is Mr. Brian Mortis, a beautiful man who had the market gardens here, which is yeah. now named the street after him called Mortis Street. Yeah. Bought in the Duncan variety, which is what they were growing in Carnarvon. Yeah. And we got them, and I can't mention the, the company that we got them from, yeah, but yeah. they're reputable. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, the uh, tomatoes have started to go blotchy and leaf drop, and he called um, the man Ben yesterday yeah. and said that uh, he may just have got some nematodes in there, and I did suggest that 
maybe turmeric could work because I'd heard it on the program some weeks ago or yeah. months ago. But, um, yeah, the, the, the tomatoes are um, they're forming, but they're going blotchy and, um, and, and just... Uh, they're not dropping. They're just they're still good. They're still forming, but he's very frustrated because he's eighty. Yeah. Um, and he's been a very heavy tomato grower all his life yeah. in England and, and in Australia. So, what do you think is going on there? Okay. Now, the blotchy makes me think that it's not nematodes. What happens when you get root not nematode in tomatoes is the tomatoes actually wilt. Yeah. So well, that's what the, the, the tomatoes are wilting, but the leaves are all dying. Okay, so that sounds more like a virus. Now, the problem with viruses is that they are in living tissue and they can be carried over through to the seed. So when, when we had the um, the ficus or ficus, which are we allowed to pronounce yeah, it, yeah. and then they, they quarantined them yeah. and all of that went through, we did get some tomatoes up that were just the last of the storage through another company yeah. um, and they were pretty poor and, right. and, not, and pretty poor. So do you think that virus is transferred to the other tomatoes? Well, it can be by sap-sucking insects. They transmit yeah. the virus. Okay, there's, so what, what's, the, what's some, the solution here? Well, there's not, I mean, it's a virus. It's like the same when we get a virus in our bodies. We yeah. We can't... You know, it's up to what we need to do. So so what's happening with a lot of um, the, the tomatoes is that some of the strains have got a lot weaker over the you know over the generations and mm-hmm. and i believe that it's it's problems that are carried through to the next generation through the seed so what we need to do in a in a situation like that is we need to build the capacity of our plants just like our bodies to actually resist viruses and and fungal and bacterial diseases because they spread like wildfire mm. so Part of the solution of that is actually building up the strength of plants, but we have to start at the soil. And that's, and I know I keep banging on about soil biology, but mm. it's like us when we have a healthy diet, we, mm. we can resist disease. It's the same for plants. We need to build up the biological life in the soil and then we need to add other things so that so that, that plant has the strength to resist all sorts of things. Okay. What you could try is... Um, so you've got to get those that microscopic life in the soil. So he may have to change his fertilizer regime so that he's he's developing putting on a, a, a fertilizer that's encapsulated with those microbes. Well, he's still living in the nineteenth century at the moment, so oh, that's all right. Oh, okay, right, <laughs> good. So Sorry, I mean, they had yeah. it right in the eighteenth century. We've gone way <laughs> off down the track in the twenty-first <laughs> century, but they understood that the soil was what fed the plants. And then, of course, you've got we've got all these fabulous foliar feeds now. So he's going to have to boost the soil, change the fertilizer regime, get the microbes in the soil, build up the health of the plant via the biology of the soil. Okay, all right. Fantastic. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, and go for open pollinated heritage tomatoes. They yeah. they're a lot stronger. They're a lot more resistant. We just thought we'd try these for selling. And, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and absolutely. They're, they're a lovely tomato, but the trouble is they're only 
only been out a couple of years and maybe yeah. they've got some issues, you know. Yeah, so I think, Colleen, that there's a virus that's been transferred through to the through to the seed. Actually, it's really interesting. I'm down um, at uh, down in Albany, but the reason I'm here is uh, there's a there's an uh, an information open day at um, Stone Mill Farm, and they've they've changed their way of growing. Uh, doing the whole farming to um, a, a much more sustainable model and, and gone basically totally organic. I'll, so, I'll, I'll have a look at that, uh, their farm. And then yeah, so if anyone's interested, there's still a few spots left tomorrow. They've, they've opened up the farm so people can come and see how they've, they're doing things. And they, they won the 2017... Um, Landcare Award for Sustainable Agriculture. So, you know, which is a pretty big deal for a, for a sheep farm. So if anyone's interested in and how they've changed the whole farm around, just go to stonemealfarm.net. Is the is the that's the brilliant? Number. Well, I bet you're a bit cooler than we are up here. At the oh, moment. it's beautiful down here, Colleen. It's beautiful. <laughs> Got a bit warm last week. <laughs> All right, Colleen. Thanks for your call. Okay, good Appreciate luck, Colleen. It. Have a great day. Hey, um, Sabrina, we've had someone send us a text message with a, uh, a possum solution. Oh, great. Yeah. She Fire said, away. So Sandy says that her friend uses different size plastic conduit, split and slid over the branches and fences. And uh, it's so slippery, oh, slippery and unstable, the possums get too insecure to keep climbing the trees. Ah, oh, that's brilliant. And so simple. Yeah. That is so simple. I've seen the things on fence lines, Michelle, where they have – it's a similar system. Like they have – they put uh, rollers along so that the – so when the possums jump on the fence, they can't – their little feet can't grip because the rollers just spin around. <laughs> I'm going to do that this year so I finally get a pomegranate yeah. off my tree from the rats. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Hey, um, we've got Bruce on the line uh, from Carnarvon. He tried to call through earlier and I, I, I cut him off. So, Bruce, are you there? Bruce. Yes, hello, yeah. Hello. What about your tuckaroo tree? What I want to find out, Sabrina, um, we have a family of crows come in and get in the bird bath every day and have a big swim around and we've got the cleanest crows in the gas coin. But <laughs> since, since, since the tuckaroo trees had the nuts on it, they get stuck into them and they and now they've disappeared. The oh. crows have disappeared and I just wondered whether they got a bellyache or they might be poisonous. Well, I don't know. I've not heard of the tuckaroo tree being poisonous. All right. Well, that's, oh. really, that's really interesting, Bruce. I've got... I'll have to do some investigation with that. Um, Eric McCrum will know the answer to that. I can guarantee it. He will, yes. Um, so I'll get in contact with Eric... And see if he can answer that. That's really interesting, though, Bruce. That's quite quite right. strange. We'll follow that one up for you, Bruce. Good. Thank you very much. Have Thank a good you, Bruce. Show. Have a great day, Jan in Jarradale. How are you going? Oh, hi. Hello, it's Jan. Beautiful weather. I know um, it's two, glorious. Two, two uh, comments more or questions. My red onions all went to seed this year. Never had it happen before. Now I noticed some spring onions are just going straight to seed before they've really developed. And the other thing is, mm. just in case we get cut off, coconut ice used to be what we call the pink and white um, gastropolium, uh, whatever it is, Californians, isn't it? Um, ah, well, I only know the gravilla. I only know the. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But the one that um, 
that that lady was referring to, that was definitely a grevillea. Oh, it was a grevillea? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. It's a modern, modern uh, grevillea. Uh, has big flowers that, of course, are pink and white, hence, well, hence well, the name. Well, they've taken our name. Yeah, they have. They have, Jan. How dare they? Anyhow, the red onions. The yes. Red onions. Now, there's been all sorts of weird and strange things going on with all our plants because of the weird winter and spring that mm. we had. I presume so, it might be that. Yeah, I think it's just environmental, Jan, and unfortunately I, there's very little we can do about it. No, so it'll be a matter of suck it and see. We're going to have to... We're going to have to... We're going to have to now start gardening according to the weather conditions. And well, I think that's something fun. that we used to mm. do back in the olden days. Okay. We observed the weather and then did okay. all our garden according to that. And I think we're going to have to be, yep, we're well, going to have to go back to observing. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to accept that there's been a shift. Yeah, yeah. which is, yeah, which is really interesting. Somehow. And just, you know, if any... Uh, People are interested in that philosophy of, you know, what we do in a changing changing climate and mm. world and mm. things like that. Um, I'm doing a talk on the 1st of December and I'm going to talk about all the challenges now that we have. So just go to my, you can go to my Facebook page or website, which is Caught With Heart or sabrinahan.com.au yep. because there's lots of challenges that we're facing now in the gardening world. Um, and it's not just gardening. It's, it's the challenges we face in our personal lives with with the changes that are that are coming. So check it out on the website, 1st of Thanks, December. Sabrina. It'll be a ton of fun. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank, Thank you. You too. Bye. Our last caller today, Margaret's been waiting very, very patiently. She's in Margaret. Bentley. Are you there, Margaret? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, Sabrina, a few re- on a recent afternoon program, you said that you could paint the tops of the fences with fennel and something else for the rats. Yes, and yes. I don't know what the other thing was. It was fennel and uh, kerosene, or fennel and diesel. Oh, thank you very much. Mm. And what Beautiful. does that do? What does that do, Sabrina? They just well, hate it the repels smell? them because they hate the smell. Beautiful. Thank mm. you very much. Wonderful. My pleasure. There you go. One, another simple. happy customer. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking about kerosene the other day, and. I remember in my grandparents' day and my dad's day, they used kerosene for just about everything. They pretty much were dead. Yeah. I know. It was an all-purpose. <laughs> Cured colds to everything, you know, I to know. your garden. I know. Um, we've probably got enough time for just one uh, quick um, question off the text messages, and it's Michelle and Sam, and this yeah. is probably an easy one for you, Sabrina. They've got to kill a huge patch of weeds and grass so they can put down paving. Yes. Uh, what's your suggestion there? Okay, I'd go for the organic... Um, weed killer called Slasher, which is made from Pelagonian oil. That sounds like business if it's yep. called Slasher. And it just, it just, you can watch the weeds sizzle <laughs> before your very eyes. But it's not residual. It breaks down really quickly and it does a bloody good job. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Sabrina, I, I can't believe that hour went so quickly. Oh, it does, Michelle. It does. Yeah. And some really, really interesting and diverse questions. I know. It was great, wasn't yeah. it? And not only questions, Michelle, but solutions. solutions. Yeah. We love that when our listeners share their their ideas and their solutions to everyone's problems. Everyone with a, with a fruit tree is going to find some piping to start yeah. putting <laughs> 
some branches. <laughs> and the rats. Yeah, and that's a good rats. tip for me as well. We've yeah. got palm trees and the rats. Oh, yeah. yeah. They love they love breeding in them. Yeah, they do. Well, Sabrina, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the show this morning. Thanks for your time. Okay, Michelle. Bye. Cheerio. Bye.